Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Wednesday, August 9th. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. With Congress out this month, I've got my eye on tech news at the state level. The fight for TikTok's future in Montana is attracting the attention of D.C. lobbyists. Tech associations, including NetChoice and the Chamber of Progress, are coming to the company's defense and backing its argument that banning TikTok in Montana is a violation of the First Amendment and harmful to businesses there. And states like Utah, Louisiana, and Virginia have recently passed laws requiring adult websites to verify the ages of their users. Politico magazine reports these measures are curtailing the online porn industry in a way no legislation has before. One of the web's largest porn purveyors has even shut down in a few states rather than comply. That could trigger some political backlash from the adults who use these sites. After all, porn is one of the Internet's most popular pastimes. But so far, the bills are passing with broad bipartisan support. President Biden signed the Chips and Science Act one year ago today. That's the bill that funneled $52 billion into rebuilding the American semiconductor industry. Now, the CHIPS program office in the Commerce Department is reviewing applications, and the administration is preparing to dole out this money in the months to come. But there are outstanding questions about its spending plans. I wanted to know how the CHIPS program office will prevent a subsidy war with allies, how the agency will prevent the money from indirectly benefiting China, and when the administration will cut the first check. I got answers to some of those questions in today's interview with Mike Schmidt. We are recording. Yes. He moved from the Treasury Department to the Commerce Department last year to oversee the vetting process for all of this money that is about to go out the door. And Schmidt tells me the CHIPS program office, in some ways, resembles a private equity fund or venture capital firm more than a traditional federal agency. Now, you stood up the CHIPS office inside Commerce really over the last year. Uh, I think the last headcount I heard was maybe 115. Um, t- what kind of people are, are you sort of hiring to make these decisions as, as you all are trying to process who gets this money? So we're at 130 now, uh, and we are constantly growing. Yeah. Um, and we've been able to attract an absolutely fantastic team. And it's a, a totally new kind of government program that has attracted talent from really across a wide range of fields. So we have national security experts from the Defense Department and the intelligence community. Uh, we have a, a, a really strong team of private sector professionals, private equity, investment banking, venture capital. People are going to be able to you know, sit with some of the most advanced and sophisticated companies in the world and strike a good deal for American taxpayers. We've got a fantastic workforce team. We've got a fantastic environmental permitting team, international strategy. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be able to name all of it, but, but we really built a really exciting, really exciting group. It's, it's the thing I'm, I'm most uh, excited about right now. The fact that you're growing so quickly, obviously reflects the urgency of, uh, of the chips issue and, and sort of building out this this industry here in the U.S., it also, I think, reflects the interest that you, you've you probably seen from industry, right? I think my understanding is that you all have received over 460 statements of interest kind of from companies interested in 
you know, in, in accessing this money. Can you put that number in context for me? You know, is that more or less than you were expecting? How, how do you kind of gauge that interest that you've seen? 460 statements of interest is is a huge number for us. Um, I mean, it, it really reflects an overwhelming interest in investing in the United States. And you're already seeing major investments um, underway, the impact of the CHIPS Act really being felt already. Um, and it's from across the semiconductor ecosystem, from the largest leading edge manufacturers in the world to smaller supply chain companies who want to come here and invest in America um, and be part of that ecosystem. And you're right, the urgency we've had in terms of building this fantastic team we have here is really geared to meet the moment, meet the moment in terms of the national security mission, onshoring the production um, and innovation here in the United States, as well as meeting the kind of commercial reality, which is um, there is this in- interest in investing here, and we need a team that's capable of evaluating applications and then uh, striking really good deals for American taxpayers. Now, those statements of interest are not exact, don't necessarily translate to applications, right? You know, are you, what are you seeing in terms of how many of those actually become applications for funding? So the statements of interest uh, are a distinct part of our process. You're right. They're not applications, but we've also seen significant uh, interest in terms of pre-applications and applications, which is really, you know, more detailed, um, fulsome submissions where we're really starting a dialogue uh, with our applicants and, and potential applicants. And so this team we've built here is kind of in the thick of it now um, in terms of the conversations we're having with industry and, you know, moving the ball forward in terms of getting to a place where we're, we're making these investments. And so you're actively vetting applications now, is that right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And, and uh, I think there's a lot of interest in that vetting process. You know, I, I mean, we are talking about a substantial sum of money here, right, going largely to private companies. So there's a lot of interest in what the safeguards are and, uh, you know, around that. Can you just briefly kind of Walk me through what what is the process look like for deciding which applications kind of deserve support? So you're absolutely right. Um, we need to do our, our homework here. And we're not excited, frankly, about the prospect of giving billions of dollars away to uh, profitable companies. It's something we have to do to advance the um, economic and national security of our country. And we're excited to make a semiconductor industry here in this country that is hugely successful and profitable so that we have ongoing investment in this industry. And we've laid out a very open and transparent process that explains how it's going to work. So we put out a notice of funding opportunity. Um, it lays out six evaluation criteria. The centerpiece of that notice of funding opportunity is advancing the economic national security uh, of the country. Um, so we'll do an evaluation of an application based on those um, evaluation criteria. If we want to support a project, we'll offer them what we call a preliminary memorandum of terms. That's basically a short form term sheet. Mm. If we can align then with a company on the basic parameters of an economic agreement, the basic parameters of a deal, then we'll move it in due diligence. We'll do due diligence, kick the tires, and then ultimately move to ultimate award. So at the end of the day, what we've created is is a commercial process that looks pretty similar to what you would see in a lot of commercial contexts, but that also works for us in terms of protecting taxpayer dollars and doing the diligence we need to do to make sure that these are uh, you know going to be really good investments uh, for for the American people. You mentioned the national security component of the vetting process, which I think is important and I want to dig into a bit. You know, I politically, I know there's a lot of pressure to ensure that this money doesn't directly or indirectly benefit 
China, right, which is chief competitor really when it comes to chip and, and really overall technological development. How are you preventing that? The national security goals of the CHIPS Act couldn't be more central, uh, couldn't be more important. Um, take, for example, uh, what we are all recognizing to be a huge driver of economics and geopolitics of the future, artificial intelligence. The foundation of AI is the chips you need to fuel it, right? And so we want the innovation for those chips and we want those productions for those chips happening here in the United States. And that's just one example of the multiple ways that uh, the CHIPS Act is going to advance our national security. Even making basic investments to support the defense industrial base is a core part of what we're trying to do here. And then there's a flip side of that, uh, which you're right, is making sure that there's not technology transfer and uh, you know undue expansion of manufacturing and benefits going to countries of concern uh, like 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 China. And, and the CHIPS Act uh, actually has explicit guardrails baked in to address this very question. Um, so we have put out a proposed regulation that defines those guardrails and says that if you accept our dollars, you can't materially expand um, semiconductor manufacturing in China. You can't engage in joint research and technology agreements in, in China. And so that'll be a big part of the the process here. And then ultimately the awards we put in place and the constraints on our applicants when we make those awards. Those rules that have been proposed, are you seeing any pushback from companies on those? There does seem to be this bigger tension emerging, right? Where you know the Commerce Department has imposed some export restrictions when it comes to chips on China. More are you know reportedly um, being considered now. I'm sure you saw recently Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger made some comments that got a lot of attention, right? That you know the more that you restrict kind of business in China, the less need or the less resources that companies have to expand U.S. fabs. I guess all that to say, there seems to be sort of a bit of a sore spot here emerging. And, and so I wonder what you're hearing from companies as you engage with them in this whole application process. Well, on the, on the guardrails themselves, we've received comments on the guardrails, and so we'll review those kind of in due, in due process. Um, I, so I, I won't comment on that. But, but you know, what I will say is kind of getting back to your point earlier, which is fundamentally when you zoom out, um, this is a program about our national security as a country. And so we need to implement it in a way that is focused on those core national security interests and, and the guardrails on uh, investment and activity in China are a really important part of that. Will you prioritize American companies over foreign companies when doling out this money? Is that one way to, to manage the national security questions here? The notice of funding opportunity that we have put out makes no distinction between American companies and foreign companies. Um, if you're willing to invest in America, if you're willing to create American jobs, bring technology to America, you know, advance our resilience and security as a country – um, you know, we, we were really excited to see those applications, uh, regardless of whether where the headquarters of the companies are. And so the other big consideration that I'm interested in here is aligning with allies, right? Not just thinking about foreign competition, but the countries that have, you know, similar postures and positions as the U.S., right? There's concern about essentially a subsidies race, right? About whether these countries will needlessly compete. We had uh, Ronnie Chatterjee on the podcast recently who made exactly that point. And what I've heard often, you know, is the idea that countries should invest in different segments of the supply chain for chips, right? And that's one way to sort of avoid that competition. 
How are you factoring that into your decision-making process to kind of avoid, you know, competing with the EU or the UK or whomever when you're doling out this money? It's a hugely important question, and it's one um, that Ronnie and I talk a lot about um, as well in terms of making sure we have a coordinated approach as a government to ensure that we don't have unconstructive race-to-the-bottom dynamics in terms of different countries kind of competing by escalating subsidies in, in a way that leads to inefficient outcomes. And so we have built into our team here in the CHIPS program office at Commerce an international engagement team that is focused exclusively on this issue. So we are in regular dialogue with the other countries that have interest uh, in investing in the semiconductor ecosystem, whether that's Europe, whether that's in South America, whether those that's in Asia, a really valuable tool in that is if we can have kind of complementary investment strategies, right? Where um, we are we are taking all this interest in semiconductor investment and seizing that as an opportunity for the broader global supply chain, the uh, create broader global resilience for allies and partners. And so that's ultimately a really big part of what what we hope to achieve. And are those complementary strategies in place now? It it seems if you're already vetting applications, right, that like those those feel like something that should be there. We are in active dialogue with our allies and partners on all these issues. Yeah. Got it. When will you cut the first check? So we are moving really, really quickly. As you can tell, we've built this awesome team. We're engaging with applicants directly. And uh, we expect to be making some really good good progress here in the coming months. And, you know, ultimately the dynamic here is it's a two way, it's a, it's a, it's a two part story, right? You know, we're going to move really quickly. We need really good information from applicants, right? And one thing I would say is that you're already seeing the impact of the CHIPS Act. I mean, just to like give you a sense of the scale of what's happening here, since President Biden took office, um, there've been more than 500 billion in announcements in manufacturing and clean energy, 230 billion, so almost half of that is related to, to uh, semiconductor manufacturing. Um, and the investment is happening already in the scale of what we are going to be able to achieve in this country. Um, in this industry is, is hugely consequential. I mean, these are facilities. I, I've, I've had the, the ability now to tour uh, many of them. Um, these are facilities that, you know, just massive in scale, multiple football fields long, right. you know, dozens of cranes, the largest cranes in the world growing out of the earth, it, it, you know, at tremendous speed. I mean, the scale here is, is absolutely enormous and it's happening here in America. And so our job is to make sure that that continues. I think the only timeline I heard in that answer was the coming months, but nothing more specific. <laughs> Just to uh, to button that up, it's out. Is there can is, can you put any finer of a point on that? We are excited to provide updates uh, for you and others when they're available. That's a no. I hear you. I hear you. Um, <laughs> well, listen, Mike. Um, Anything, uh, I appreciate you being here. Anything I, I haven't asked or, or any other kind of thoughts on like this, this moment, this specific moment that we're in with chips and with the kind of your office on the precipice really of, um, you know, making these, these big funding decisions? It is truly a policy area and an initiative that is enormous in its scale and consequence for, for the country. And, you know, it's the, it's the largest 
public investment in private industry that we've really made here in recent dec- decades. And so we're thinking creatively and, and we're really focused on executing that mission. And, and we're in this great position because we do have this tremendous in- interest. But that also means that we're going to have some tough decisions to make. Well, we will be watching uh, for the money to go out the door and see the decisions that you all make. Uh, thank you for joining us on Politico Tech. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. That's all for today's Politico Tech. What should the White House or Congress do to equip more workers for jobs in the chips industry? Send us your take at techpodcastpolitico.com. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overley, and I'll see you back here tomorrow.